Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm Father John. I'm the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything Mm -hmm. related to transforming the church. I'm here with my good friend, sister, teammate, Mary Guilfoyle. How are you doing, sis? I'm doing great. How about you, Father? I'm doing wonderful, and I know you can't Mm. wait to talk about this topic. I'm going to have to fight you for the mic or for some airtime, I know. So uh, (laughs) what's our topic today? Yeah, so Father, our topic today is, um, is God giving you permission to slow down and do less. He is. As a matter of fact, I'm done with the podcast right That's now. That's it. So let's just, thanks. Thanks for tuning in, God everybody. Bless everybody. Have a great week. God bless. You were born for this. No, there's more. Yeah. So, Father John, before we dive in, how about we start with prayer? Yeah, let's do that. In the right. name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Father, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to descend upon us right now uh, and to flow out from us onto all those who are listening. Uh, that they might feel refreshed, encouraged, filled with hope, and in a particular way, be attentive to whatever it is that you might want to say to them right now so that we might more deliberately and intentionally live the lives that you've called us to live. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. So, you know, we've been talking a lot of late, uh, you, me, Nick, uh, Mm -hmm. the academy that we do for priests, this apostolic academy that we run once a month, uh, about uh, the the overall theme of just finding a way to live more authentically Mm -hmm. human. Because I think... I think we've, we, everybody recognizes, I don't think this is how you're supposed to live, right? Right. And as we've kind of scratched that itch uh, in everybody that we've uh, spoken to about it, they're, they, they all are just longing for more, right? Yeah, heads are nodding. Yeah, I mean, I, was just, uh, I just reached out to a priest friend this morning. I said, hey, how you doing? He goes, I am losing the game of whack-a-mole right now. Can you please pray for me? Mm. So... Um, to that end, I know you have been reading a book, which you are just gob... I'm, I'm looking at the book. I mean, you've got every page dog-eared. I mean, why don't you just soak the book in yellow, for crying out loud, right? I so bet. I, I, as I said to you earlier, I think this might be my favorite book. You should mark the pages um, not to read. So uh, tell everybody what the book is and yeah. why it's so inspiring you. In fact, uh, I'm so tired of hear, hearing you talk about it. I got it, too, because I got to gobble this thing up for myself. So what yeah, is this? I'm eager to hear your take on it after you get it, Father. John. So um, I discovered this book um, about a couple weeks ago, and it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. How'd you hear about it? So I found it. um, It was quoted, actually, in a blog that I was following, and I found it to be such a compelling quote. I thought, I have to dig a little bit deeper. Was that Lisa? It was Lisa. So I think Lisa Brennick-Meyer in Walking with Purpose quoted... um, John Mark Comer, who's the author of this book in her blog. And of course, anything that Lisa's reading, I know is going to, is great. So I thought if Lisa's recommending this and quoting it, I've got to, I've got to get the book. And basically it's about this young pastor in Portland, Oregon. So Protestant, right? Just to be clear. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A young pastor um, um, who made the decision to step back from a a very hectic, unhealthy, um, inauthentically human pace of pastoring in a large megachurch, and I believe he had multiple campuses. Hmm. And um, it's just his journey from going from this crazy, crazy, burned out uh, pace uh, to what is now a more normal, healthy pace of life. And and in the book, he describes um, hurry sickness 
as, hmm. as somewhat of an epidemic that even psychologists and mental health professionals have labeled now as a disease. Hurry sickness. I love that. Can you imagine you know, sitting in your doctor's office and What's he's right and, he, and you come in and you're seeing your doctor and then he fills out your chart and the diagnosis is hurry sickness. So what's wrong with you? Uh, I hurry all the time. Yeah. Ooh, I can relate. Okay, say yeah. more. Yeah, and, and so um, the author talks about uh, the fact that hurry does violence to our souls and how it can impact hmm. um, our prayer life. I mean, gosh, there's so much I could say about this, but um, he, he had this inter- interesting um, quote that I just found shocking. He said that the average iPhone user picks up his or her phone an, ad- an average of 2,617 times a day. A day? A day. And, and, and that's, Hang on, give me that number again. <laughs> 2,617 times, Father John. And, a and, day. and the number is higher for millennials. And he poses the questions, he, he posed the question that imagine. If our lot, what our lives would look like if we allowed God to touch our minds as frequently as we touch our iPhones. And so he talks about, you know, just the impact of technology, the internet, our busyness, B-U-S-Y-N-E-S-S, and the impact that all of this is having on our lives and the inauthentically human way we're living, like we're living a diminished life. I can relate immediately to that. I remember uh, I read uh, the book, The Shallows, not too long ago. And he, he mentions quotes it, that he? in yeah. his book. So how the internet is making us dumber, I think is mm-hmm. the subtitle. He says that? smartphones are actually making us dumber. Yeah, that's the irony, right? Right. And, but I remember one of the decisions I made after I read that book was uh, I'm gonna I'm going to look at my emails and texts a fixed number of times each day. Mm. I, I just realized as I'm reading this, you know, like guilty as charged. You know, like I, I don't know how many times a day I used to touch my phone. It's uh, it's it's still uh, disproportionately high, uh, but it's a lot lower than it used to be in large part because of that book, right? And so I just made a concrete decision. Told everybody on the staff. I mean, you were you mm-hmm. were uh, on the team at uh, at the parish. You know, hey, if you need me, don't don't interrupt or don't hesitate to knock on my door. But I'm going to look at my phone like when I wake up. Shortly after I get to the office, again after lunch, and then late in the day before I leave the office, right. and that's it. As opposed to just always having a screen up in front of you, feeling like I've got to answer everything immediately right now because it just came in, and if I don't do it, somebody's going to die. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, but this is how we've habituated ourselves to live. Nick was telling us the other day, Father John, remember when he had said, who? He had, <laughs> Nick, that's right. Oh, the that guy used to be on the podcast. There, the that's guy right. He used to sit there. Um, he was telling us that he had taken a day off this week and he said, I shut off my phone for a full 24 hours. Yeah, I think he said he took a sabbatical from his iPhone. Yeah, I it's mean, it's a great idea. Yeah, and uh, the author mentioned something like that too. Just, j- just uh, shut it off for twenty four hours and see how you function and see what you're able to be present to, hmm. right? And um, you know, Scripture is abundant with passages about the need to come away and to be still. First Thessalonians 4, Paul says, um, we urge you, brothers and sisters, to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. I don't know about you, Father John, but even having left the parish and our pace so much better than it was, I, I have that burning desire just to quiet myself and, and to not walk faster 
than the Lord. Hmm. You know, I think oftentimes, like, I get ahead of him. I have my to-do list, right? I'm type A. I've got a lot of energy. But it's like this call as I'm reading this book, just to slow down my interiority. So we, I know we say often, uh, you know, one of our favorite lines is, comes out of the Psalms, wait for the Lord to lead and then follow in his way. Mm. That doesn't mean be inactive, doesn't mean do nothing. Be you lazy. Know, so I think, I think one of the th- concerns, you know, people are, might be hearing us going, hey, that's just never going to happen. Like I got four little ones in my house and you're right, for you it's never going to happen. <laughs> um, well, it is, but not you uh, but pastors and people work in parish life, we're, we're not saying, you know, just, um, hey, you know, sorry, that's your life. Um, and we're not trying to hold up some unrealistic expectation, but we are, I think, just really convicted by this personally that um, we know our own experience in parish life when we were living uh, there. And we see the people that we're ministering to over and over and over again who are longing for permission from the Lord or from someone. To rest. To slow down, yeah. to yeah. find a way to slow down, right? I mean, um, in, in fact, we've had to say to people uh, on a number of occasions, you know, because um, we had a tremendous experience in the parish. Uh, God was really good, like, despite me. Um, but one of the things I always make a point of saying is, mm-hmm. The last thing we're trying to do is replicate what we lived through in parish ministry because we were like this side of the heart attack. That's right. I mean, it was right about to happen, and uh, I, and I was about to give one to everybody else who was serving alongside us. And w- that's that's not the way to live. I mean, we know that that's clearly not the way to live. In fact, I had a, a priest friend of mine. He said to me once, "You know, John, once you've had the heart attack, mm. you're going to have time." So. Mm. Why don't you have time now? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was thinking, um, just in thinking about the podcast, uh, I remember going on sabbatical five, six years ago. You know, it was one of those good sabbaticals. It wasn't like, hey, you're in trouble, go away right. for a sabbatical. It was like, hey, I'm really tired. I can have a sabbatical. And uh, the place survived. That's you know, right. Like, it existed. Like, That's exactly right. It didn't right. fall apart. Like, We're not irreplaceable. It doesn't really, yeah. It you doesn't know? all fall on you. Yeah, it doesn't right? all fall on me. So, um, so why don't we do this? I mean, why why don't we actually find or take God up on his invitation to potentially, anyway, slow down and do less? So I, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is we define success by busyness. Like the busier I am, the more productive I am. Mm. Like, like we just have to have a, a massive mental mind shift around around how we would define success. Right, I know that's certainly true for a lot of men. Right, in life, I, yeah. I, guess and, I didn't realize it was as true for and, women too. It, and and I think too, um, part of that is there's an inclination to compare ourselves to everybody else. Big time, right? I know that is for me. How are you? Oh, really busy. Yeah, and <laughs> and, and, and that's the oh, you know, like 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 that's a good thing, right? And, 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 and it's not. And, and, then, and then, of course, there's like the sheer demands in parish life, right? So you're a pastor, or you're serving in a parish, the, the average parish with two and a half staff people, and you happen to be one of those fortunate two and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you're doing, you, you're seriously doing, genuinely doing more than you can actually do. It's, not, it's just not possible, right? It's right? an illusion. We allude to our friend Tim Keller. Uh, the great Presbyterian minister out in New York um, who's suffering. Keep him and his wife uh, in your Kathy, prayers, please. Right. 
Um, but he talks often of, you know, the studies have been done that can show, you know, a pastor, whether it's Catholic or Protestant, can reasonably care for genuinely pastors, something like two to 300 people. And and some parishes actually have two to 300 people. But the parishes that I know have thousands of people. So you got a, a priest and two and a half staff people and thousands of people. It's a recipe for burnout, right? It is. And that's what we know. I mean, we know that parish life as it is, is untenable. You know, Father John, I, re- um, I don't know how many times you've heard this question, and I've asked it to you over the last number of years, you know, as we as we look at the call on our life as a disciple, and we look at Jesus and, and you ask the question, Lord, am I doing enough? And your answer is, no, of course you're not. You know, um, there's always more we can do, but are we doing what he's asking us yeah, exactly. to do? I, I remember right? coming back from Mexico, I was on a mission trip with some folks, and uh, we visited, I think it's Madre Inez, who's often referred to as the Mexican Mother Teresa. So Mm. this unbelievable woman who runs an orphanage, and it was just heart-wrenching and inspiring all at the same time to see what she was more or less single-handedly doing. She had a lot of volunteers around her, but she was caring for hundreds, you know, like maybe 200 um, orphans, you know, say like nine months old to 40 Oh my word. And I remember leaving there feeling like an absolute loser. I remember mm-hmm. being on the plane going, I'm a I'm like a giant non-contributing mm-hmm. zero when I compare myself to this woman. Right. And I just kept saying, Lord, am I doing enough? And just like you said, I felt like you said, No, John, you're not. But that's not the right question to ask me. The right question to ask me is, Are you doing what I'm asking yeah. you to do? What am I asking? And if you, you are that's, that's enough. That's good. Right. right. That's what I have for you. We were just having a conversation with a, a set of folks the other day. They're like, there's so much to do. Like, we got to do everything. Well, who said you have to do everything? No, you don't. All, all we have to be doing is what God is asking. And of course, you know, those things that we're responsible for, right? So, And oftentimes we're taking on things that God would love to invite other people into for them to do. Um, and another thing that I think... Um, at least I know I fall in this category. Um, I don't want to disappoint people. Mm. So sometimes uh, um, I say yes to a lot of things or I have said yes to a lot of things. And I remember one time talking to a spiritual director and he said, learn to say no. Right. No is also an answer. So kind of you a lack can of say no. Yeah, not having the boundaries, afraid to let people down mm. and taking on more than we actually should. I remember... Right? Um, at a certain point in my life as a priest, I realized it's okay when someone asks me, hey, are you free at such and such a time on such and such a day? And I look at my calendar and it was indeed free, but I had the permission to go, no, I'm afraid I'm not. I you know, and I didn't feel like I was lying. It's like, no, I can't because I'm looking at the rest of the day and I need something there to breathe or yeah. to catch up with the people I need to catch up with or to do whatever it is I need to do to be human mm-hmm. instead of just Filling the whole day with activity. My, my first priest mentor said to me, uh, John, there's three parts of the day, morning, afternoon, and evening. You can't work 24-7 every day. You just can't do it. You know, you got to find some time to breathe. And I thought, yeah, that's never going to happen. But I'm learning to do it right now. And we are. And as we, as we, again, we continue to talk about this, again, it's triggering people or a desire in people to go, okay, I've got to find a way to do that. Because again, it's burning out 
the leaders in the church. And what's the guy's uh, line in the book about as the leader goes? As the leaders go, so goes the church. Yeah, well, right? so and, no, no wonder we're and, such a mess sometimes. And you know, right? Father John, this this pastor is young. He's in his thirties. He's he, he's a deeply gifted uh, young man, very accomplished. But blessed be God, he's learning this at thirty. Right. Imagine what I mean. We've learned it a little bit later in life. Right. I th- you know, I think too, Mary. There's a. Um, I think some of us have as disciples. I know I can say this as a priest. I'm sure you can as a as a disciple. Um, we can get this unrealistic sense of what a disciple is supposed to live like. In my case, of what a priest is supposed mm-hmm. to live like. So St. Jean Vianney is the patron saint of parish priests. That's really beautiful. The challenge sometimes is I feel like or I can feel like I'm supposed to imitate St. Jean right. Vianney. And that's not necessarily the case. And that's okay, right? I mean... Um, I don't know that I'm supposed to live like he lived. I'm supposed to do what God's asking as me to do, to as opposed to compare myself to whatever saint and then feel like, man, I'm just desperately falling short because God's not asking me to do that. And so when I'm trying to do that, I just kind of land on my face, right? You know, I, I, um, I'm i thinking too, Father John, yes, you're right. I, I can't help but think we would hear the Father speak more clearly I mean, it's just a given, right? If we just, you know, if we just slow down. Um, uh, the author says in the book, too, he says, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry, he says, is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. Yeah. We cannot outrun what the Lord is asking us to do. I, I remember being in uh, Jerusalem with a priest friend of mine. He's passed away now, and it was. We were leaving Lazarus's tomb, and we were on our way uh, uh, back into Jerusalem, and it was hotter than blazes. I think we were there in July or something. 120 and degrees. I'm just dripping sweat, and we're making our way up this hill, and I'm booking. You know, I was probably 29, 30 at the time, and I had this image of, just like you said, mm. uh, I'm with the Lord, and then I just, in my mind, I see, I turn around, and I'm all alone, and I look behind me, and like, a hundred yards behind me is Jesus leaning up against a tree in the shade with a glass of water in his hand as if he said, hey, you want to keep booking? Go ahead. I'm just going to rest for a little while. And oh, by the way, I'm the savior of the world. And I'm not. Uh, and, and you're not. So uh, you might want to slow down because uh, you really can't save anybody and you got to stay close to me. So I think, yeah, we're so unnecessarily... Um, we, we've put so many expectations on ourselves that are not authentically human. You know, the line in Romans that came to mind is uh, where Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but mm. be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And one of the ways to translate that, kind of a loose translation is, don't let the way the world thinks squeeze you into its mentality. And I think, I know. It's a great word. I did. Yeah. And you I know, have too. I approached yeah. ministry with the world's way squeezing me into a particular mindset. And the result of it was um, I know I wasn't effective uh, anywhere near as much as I would have liked to have been. I, I just wasn't living authentically human. And so, if, if in fact, as the leader goes, so the church goes, um, <laughs> no wonder the church mm-hmm. was a mess sometimes because I was. Well, I, I have to I have to say this. You know, I was thinking about. Um, all the, all, all the ways we would describe Jesus. I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe Jesus as 
someone who was in a hurry. Rush. I mean, like, like, like you don't hear that. Jesus was frantic. Jesus was late. Jesus was running. I mean, just had this. I mean, he is the model for our lives, and and. God's just always calling us back to be in conformity to like, you know, his heart, his mind, his pace, his life. He is the model for living authentically human. And and in scripture, right? I mean, go ahead, Father, you were going to say something. I don't no, I, I, I probably, th- I think we're on the same page. Uh, it's, it's the passage of Matthew uh, 11, right? Yeah, I just think we, we, we use that reflection for some of the priests that yeah. we're walking with in our academy. We just meditated in front of the Blessed Sacrament on the Lord saying, come to me and learn from me, take my yoke upon you. Um, and, you know, we always do this thinking, thinking, feeling exercise mm-hmm. coming out of it. And so we had kind of teed up the reflection mm-hmm. and it was all about just asking the Lord to teach us how to be human. And almost every guy came out of that time in prayer and they were thinking and feeling relieved and like the pressure was off and they had permission to breathe. From the Lord himself. Yeah, exactly. From right. the Lord, right? Because we need him. Jesus doesn't just reveal to us who God is. He's also the, the only perfect man who's ever walked the earth. And so he's revealing to us how to live a genuinely human life. And if we're not regularly in communion with him in prayer, we're not soaking in the gospels, watching him live, Right. then we're not living a genuinely human life. Father John, I think that's a... I think that's a, a very practical thing for all of us to do. Maybe as we, you know, we, we, we listen to this conversation that we're having and maybe just in prayer over the next week, just, just pray with Matthew 11, 20 mm. through 30, and just hear the Lord inviting you to step back and to find rest for your souls and, and, and ask him to show you very practical ways how we can step back from this hurried pace and you know, this age of technology isn't helpful. There's ways to moderate that without complete, I'm not, we're not advocating disconnecting or not, you know, yeah. having your phones, but just to try to find a healthy balance with the Lord, how we can slow down this frantic, hurried sickness that we're, that I think we're all suffering from to a particular degree. Yeah, and maybe in a particular way in these days right now, as we uh, enter into the great week uh, that we call Holy Week and then the Easter week, like uh, to really do everything we can to just absorb as much as the Lord wants to give us uh, so that we can live uh, genuine and authentic lives. I'm thinking of Sister Ann Shield. She was at a convocation in the Archdiocese of Detroit a set of years ago, and she said something. I remember writing it down. I go back to it all the time in prayer. And she just said, ask the Lord, Lord, what am I carrying that you want me to put down? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm in my mind, I've got like 16 foot lockers, you know, on my shoulders. I'm like, <laughs> you mean one of these? I can put one of these things down? That would be Here really great. Here you go, Lord. Because, you know, like, I'm, I'm in a knot because right. of what I'm trying to carry. Right. And uh, I know that's true for every single person who's listening. So maybe, yeah, maybe let's just focus on that Matthew 11, 28 to 30 passage and just... Let's pray for one another that we will hear Jesus' voice loud and clear when we cry out to him as beggars, saying, Jesus, teach me how to be human. And he will. Amen, he will. And because he will, because he talks, because he loves us, because he wants this more than we do. He wants us to flourish more than we do. To believe in him is to have, right now, present tense, abundant life. 
uh, only fully, certainly in heaven, but even now to begin to really experience it because that's true. In these holiest of days that we're about to enter, do not be afraid. God is with you. And you were born for this. (laughs) 